giving away a vacuum cleaner if anybody wants to need a vacuum cleaner. Oh, really? I would totally take one. It's yours. Is it shitty? Are you getting rid of it because it's no. bad or because you just I just don't? have to. Did you say I have to or I have to? I so own yeah. two of them. Oh. Yeah, I have a vacuum cleaner that I, ha- I purchased with I money. I have, I have to. to. I have to. I have to. I have to. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I have to as well. I have to. I've that, got to. I'm producing. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. <gasps> I've got to. I have to. <laughs> Listen, I really need to get rid of all of both of my vacuum cleaners. <laughs> It's imperative oh, that you've you've also been I, afflicted I, I, by I also this. Have this I have to too. Why have you been playing Fallout 4? Because it's November 25th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 238. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Jake Rodkin. Chris, why have you been playing not as much Fallout 4 as you would like? <laughs> um, I haven't been playing as much Fallout 4 as I would have expected myself to because... Okay, so last week I talked to... Was it last... I can't remember who was last I week. It was like two or three weeks ago okay, now. Okay, Two weeks ago, two I weeks guess, ago. I talked about um, Anno 2205 Asteroid Miner which is the um, the mobile sort of companion game to Anno 2205, the city builder economic sim uh, from uh, Blue Byte and Ubisoft. And this um, companion app that I have on iPhone, uh, it's like a, you know, puzzle matching game and it allows you to, and resources that you collect in that game can be linked to your Uplay account and sent to your Anno 2205 game, and then you get those resources in the game. But at, So I knew that was the case when I talked about it. I didn't know that when I downloaded it. I eventually learned that to be true and talked about it on the podcast. But I hadn't actually loaded up Anno 2205 um, again and played it with that, knowing that to be true. Were you, you fucking yeah. rich that now? Yeah, so, so since last podcast... Um, I loaded up NO2205 and I loaded it up and as the game was going through, it's like, you know, just the very first loading screen that just has copyright notices and stuff on it. Just like the bullshit at the beginning, there's this woman's voice and it goes, new delivery just in from the asteroid field. And I was like, oh, what's that? And and I started playing the game and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I had like 20 of some of these resources and I was like, oh, maybe that's how much I got from the game. I don't I don't know. And then a couple days later, I noticed a button that was like, pick up asteroid deliveries. And I picked up what I had been sent for my game and I had 999 of each thing. Like I was, I had more resources than could be contained in the... So you've now, by playing this free-to-play iOS game, you've maxed out your Anno game. Yeah, and so, yeah, I was really hoping Nick would be on this podcast actually, because he, we were talking about... When we talked about this this game for the first time weeks ago, um, he was saying how he di- how the he didn't like how the combat is sort of technically optional, but also is the way that you obtain these kind of rare resources that you use to build add-ons to your production facilities, which then like let your facilities be more efficient or use less energy or require fewer um, operators or like whatever uh, and 
it turns out those are the same resources that you get from this fucking mobile game. And so it has allowed me to just completely skip all the sort of like repetitive parts of the game that I don't like. <laughs> by and playing the repetitive. By playing the, yeah, exactly. The shitty, but, yeah. energy-based, time-based, right. free-to-play but it's game. A, but it's a, it's, a, it's a repetitive, shitty thing that I, I am more, I guess, um, owned by. Like I, you know, the, the sort of combat in the game is this very slow kind of boring, like Diablo point and click. Mm. It's really weird. It's really out of character with the rest <clears throat> of the game. It's, it's, there's like these very easy little quests where it's like, go blow up this bad guy. And it's in this totally separate screen. It's what if you could offload that to a match three game Weird. you play yeah. on the bus? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how much of this match three game have you been playing? Oh my God. Don't even. <laughs> uh, two hours? So many more hours than two. I mean, I actually, <laughs> I actually don't really know. How many more do you I, think? Well, I, I actually, it's hard to say. So I mentioned this last week. This is, I apologize for people who have been listening because there's a lot of, this is a lot of repetition, but, um, or maybe two weeks ago. I can't remember. No, it, it was, was last definitely- week because you were here. Um, oh. when I mentioned that the way that I was playing both that and Fallout Shelter, because they both are super time constrained, like they both have, an amount of stuff you can do before you run out of stuff to do in an, in the time and then you have to like let it you recharge or cool down. Yeah. Or and yeah. so I don't really, I, I play fallout or I'm, I'm sorry. I play anno 2205 twice every day. Oh yeah. But, you told, you said this, right. But there's like a hard cap to how much I can actually play at each of those times. And it's so, your commute game. It's totally my commute game. Um, and so, uh, I have no idea how many hours I've played it because I don't have any continuous play sessions long enough to get a sense of that oh, but man. definitely i mean you can do hours. the rough math of you commute every day figure, when the game came out yeah i you probably, probably spend 45 I minutes probably commuting. blow through my energy my like sort of chunk of energy that i can use in like 15 20 minutes so you know maybe 40 minutes a day times like have you ever played at work day um yeah occasionally although the amount of energy that is it's I don't know. I don't like playing before the energy is fully recharged because it just doesn't feel as good, right? Because well, at the point I am in the game, it's <laughs> <laughs> at the point I am in the game. It's okay. Um, it is so fucking impossible. Like, the levels get so goddamn brutal intentionally because they want you to like cave and buy and spend more oh, money it, on the it has that, the it to- oh, buy-in whale on. oh yeah completely okay, okay. But, it has the buy-in whale yeah it's you know, got buy-in whale it's, it's got that buy-in whale um but i don't since i never do that it means that when i run into one of those like brick walls right it just means that i am just gonna just, waste mm-hmm. like several attempts in a row so i hate only getting like two attempts so i want to just like just fucking have at least you know half a dozen chances to <laughs> To bloody my knuckles against that wall in the hopes that I'll crack it. Um, so I, I'm kind of actually getting to the point where it's getting – some of the levels are getting so impossible that it's just – I kind of feel like it's pointless to even keep playing it. But you probably – your data at least is on a spreadsheet in a studio probably in this city that is like how do we convert yeah, these one percenters <laughs> – yeah. To paying customers. Well, the funny thing is I was a paying customer for the first few days. Mm. You know, I spent $8 in total because I, I spent one ninety nine four times. Um, okay. Ju- not on the things that allow you to, um, to like, um, be more effective in the game, but the things that allow you to get your energy back faster so you can try again. Right. I get you. Um, uh-huh. 
And then, and it just got, it got to the point where I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. Like I, you know, it's, it was really, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm getting that way with, with fallout shelter as well, where I, at this point I play that game once every like four days. Maybe still, you're still playing it. Sort of. I played it. I played it and I just went, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of my experience with both of these games has really, I guess I've probably alluded to this or people can probably just pick up my feeling on these games from the way I've talked about them. It's frustrating because the core loop of both of them is like intensely satisfying to me. Like the really, I really like the fallout shelter kind of just management economics, like productivity stuff. Like it's just, I don't know. It's the I mean, same you reason. like board games like that. You yeah, like, well, and I like, and I like Anno 2205, the main game, which is yeah. Worker systems, economics, like yeah. builder. I just, I like stuff like that. And then, um, Anno 2205 asteroid miner, like it's definitely not the deepest game, but like whatever matching, patterns is like obviously a thing many humans like it's a mm-hmm. you know super fantastically um successful basic uh gameplay ingredient and it just fucking sucks that the that the way that this stuff works on phones is just to try and ruin you it's just to, it's i just it really the fact that i have enjoyed both of these games so much makes it feel so much worse I, fallout shelter <laughs> i really can't i really can't actually hold it as much right. against that game because i don't i don't feel that that game is actually but that game doesn't have in app purchases it does it does, oh, it does? Have, it does have in-app purchases but it's it's it really how doesn't, do i not see them because it's not it's because it's just not as exploitative and, and yeah, i did gross. see them i'm not remembering them the same. Yeah. they didn't feel like they punched me in the face at least no they don't that, that, i can't really that game i don't mean to slam for that reason but but just in general, the overall model, just I but just hate it. Ask yourself this, though, about Fallout Shelter, Chris. What sweet drops are you getting in Fallout 4 from playing it? I don't think any. None. Yeah. Hmm. None. <laughs> in that Asteroid Miner game, you're maxed out. Yeah. You it's true. Have- Actually, you know what's so funny? It's, this is another thing that both has – it has improved my Anno 2205 main game experience and also just made it – makes the, like – holistic experience of the whole thing kind of worse because what it has done in NO2205 is that it has allowed me to pick and choose the parts of the game that I like, which in some, sometimes I think that kind of thing is bad. Like sometimes I think the ability to just say, I don't want to engage with this part is because I just don't want to. Sometimes I think that's wrong, but in the case of this game, the thing that I'm not engaging with is this completely kind of half baked, goofy combat thing that seems just put in there kind of feels just really strange busy work anyway yeah. so it's like it's revealing a double uh kind of grossness which is one this like vestigial part of the main game that i that i just see as like a chore to get out of the way and then two that the way you sort of fast track getting that chore out of the way is by engaging with this other separate thing that it, on its own terms is also trying to like bilk you out of time and money. So I'm like, it's just, I don't know. It's just uh, my experience with these things has let left me in this like weird state of just existential bemusement about what the hell, like what, what was the intention of these game designers? Did they think this was cool or was it all like a mandate for, from, from on the app side? From just the just whole holistically, thing. The, I I, know. you know, I, when I play Fallout Shelter, I do feel like someone, like it, there is a. I hear, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I don't know really how to tease it out rhetorically, but I mean, again, that there is a, lot a less backbone gross. of vision to it that totally. feels really yes. concrete. Fallout, to me. I, I totally agree. Yes, yeah. I definitely agree. Fallout Shelter is a really like shockingly well made uh, product. I wouldn't be surprised if the like 
production story of that game was we want an in-app purchase companion app to promote Fallout, the release of Fallout 4, and also make a little money on the side, like make a yeah. little money, and, and maybe it hits. Just like made a cool, then somebody thing gave a fuck. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Anno twenty two oh five Asteroid Miner seems like how can we get people into the Anno ecosystem? How do we get people into the UPlay ecosystem? Yeah, like it really your UPlay yeah. stats have gone way the fuck up, and someone, some mid level yeah. VP at Ubisoft is like, yeah, people are using UPlay now. Right, it's totally true because they're Chris Ramo is. Like, I wouldn't even know how to begin doing this, let alone have the slightest bit of interest in doing so. But one of the other ways you can earn these resources in the game, apparently, I found out when I was getting one of my asteroid drops. Please say street was, team. Say street team. Is no, it's to earn <laughs> you play achievements. It's to that earn makes like your propri- like proprietary you club things. You get you play badges, and then that also oh you can feeds, spend you play currency. I don't on, even like, know wallpapers. Wait, really? Is that a thing? Oh okay. yeah, for sure. So that's that's tied into this resource thing too. So the whole thing is just what the. You're deep into the ecosystem. That's really well, great. It's not really. I don't actually know how to you do should, any of you that should put, stuff. I but. know, but it's all you got to do is read one form. You didn't know how to maximize your freaking flyer miles either until you decided you needed to do <laughs> yeah, that. that. Because just, you have this podcast. Pay you off could, of that is a little, is a little more <laughs> You could probably find the, the correct like social you media person at Ubisoft and tell them that you are a Uplay key influencer now that, yeah. uh, you know. You play consultant slash key the way influencer, in which I'm a key, Chris Remo. The, the, the biggest way I'm an influencer around this is by telling tens of thousands of podcast listeners, I feel really gross about this. So I don't know if the, <laughs> if the Ubisoft people are going to... Influence is influence. No, there's no, no such thing as bad press. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry that your life has been fully subsumed by... It's, I have a I question mean, for so, you but, okay. when you get to the end. Real, I'm just going to quickly fine, no, say something that I don't want to be misconstrued about, which is that the main sort of thing going on behind all the shit I'm talking about is also that I that I've just been playing a lot of Anno twenty two oh five and I fucking uh, love it. I thought like, you were gonna <laughs> the actual just like real game there is fucking amazing. I think it is my favorite like Anno fourteen oh four, I think, is kind of untouchable for me because of the architecture and the time period and the vibe and everything about it is just like exactly the aesthetic aesthetic experience that I love in that kind of game. But in all other respects, this game, I think, is incredible. The way that it deals with the three different um, kind of biomes and the like, the way that they interact with each other, and the the different way that the that the Arctic terrain looks versus the temperate zone versus the moon and the day and night cycle, and like, it's just beautiful. And I love the way the economy works throughout them, and I love the way that the different um, building requirements of each zone end up creating like kind of a different feel of the way that your your residential areas are clustered together like i just love it like if it weren't for that weird combat thing shimmed in there this game would just for me anyway would be just through and through incredible so i don't want to i don't want all my like weird sort of um discomfort around the way that ubisoft the larger ubisoft organization is trying to like maximize their fucking economy their own weird proprietary economy i don't want that to like sour what i'm saying about the core game by blue bite which is no 2205 which i absolutely love which is the reason i haven't been playing as much fallout 4 as i would have expected because i've just been totally sidetracked by this like awesome game it's funny how that app ended up serendipitously cutting you off from the thing about the game you hated which is nice. Yeah, I know. It's it's I have very complicated feelings about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have you played on uh, iOS the Agricola? Um, oh version? no, I never have. I've played the board game. You should play it on iOS. I yeah. think it's a you pay up front, 
you can play against a really like aggressive difficult to beat computer or other people and it's obviously worker placement because mm-hmm. you know how to play agricola yeah. if you don't know what agricola is at home it's a board game that is about surviving sort of uh the four seasons uh as a family going out and harvesting your crops and deciding if you're gonna like try to like build your house bigger or like till your fields or have a kid um so it's a worker placement game that's of high regard but the ios version i think is very good and uh, it might be able to replace that uh commute game without having the free-to-play stuff over the top yeah, of it that's cool that's good i, I, mean, yeah, I highly recommend is, it the funny thing is i traditionally never play i i've never really had commute games except for the crossword on my phone mm-hmm. um and generally i just listen to podcasts or, or read something and so this has been this is another way and this is this has been gross to me another this way is, in which an evil grin is spreading across some <laughs> ubvp's yeah, face is that i've let myself just get like add this thing to my sort of daily routine. You've let it attach itself to your yeah, body, that, basically. That also just feels kind of gross. Yeah. I need to just do the cold turkey on this thing. I think. Um, I find it really hard to find iOS games anymore. I haven't really. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Played to one. Find good things. I still do the crossword app every day, um, except on Sundays where I do it in the print. But um, well, you know how I end up finding stuff yeah. now. Where, I mean, this is not a thing most people have access to. I suppose is by listeners of this podcast just telling me to get stuff, and so that that's how I found. That's the only reason I even knew Anno Twenty Two Hundred Five Asteroid Miner existed. And then also, I played a game. I like to- that it's called Asteroid Miner. I like the job attached to it in the fiction of the world of Anno is basically slave, like mindless <laughs> space slave. Right. Just yeah. go onto this dead rock and yep. dig a hole, please. Yep. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that stuff is also treated with no fanfare whatsoever. There's just like a little crappy 3D model of an asteroid spinning around, and as you play the game, it just kind of little explosions happen on it, and that's that's. You're basically that's you're it. Sam Rockwell from Moon. That's all the, all the UI and everything in the game is actually really beautiful and well put together too. There's I don't know, it's, it's weird. Anyway, um, so 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 that was a, an Idle Thumbs listener who um told me to play that, and then today, um. I saw uh, an email. This is reader mail, but I'll just do it now because it's we're talking about finding iOS games. Um, so this was an email from Jessica Powley who wrote into questions at idlethumbs.net. And she writes, Hi, Thumbs, longtime reader, first time emailer. To start, I miss Danielle. You're all really cool dudes. But having a woman's voice and a queer woman's perspective on the show was rad and important. Completely agreed. Yep. Um, we miss you, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's excited for the weekend show. Anyway. I write to you to recommend a $3 iOS puzzle game that I adore, Touchtone. It came out earlier this year, made by two Chicago dudes. One of them worked on threes, I think. I might have made that all up. Touchtonegame.com. Touchtone? The marketing site looks slick and conveys the exact aesthetic and feeling of the game. I haven't played in a few months, but I was reminded of it when you described the color-matching style of casual puzzle games, and I thought about what puzzle games I love that don't fit that mechanic. I hope you give it a try and enjoy. Thanks for entertaining me for an hour each week. Jessica Powley. So, um, yeah, I... I played this game, and it's really cool. Uh, yes, Sean, it is that game. Uh, it's Touch a tone ga- TM. Yeah, it is trademarked. Um, this is a a game that's on iOS. I don't know. It might also be an Android. I have no idea. Um, unless she said whether it is or not. I don't know. Um, it's cool. It's a game where you have to kind of uh, connect a 
line from point A to point B using sort of like reflective mirrors at different angles that you slide into place to create the the proper paths for these lines. And the it's it's got a very minimalist um, kind of cool vector looking aesthetic uh, with um, kind of sound a sound the lines kind of look like sound waves like square tooth and mm-hmm. saw waves and stuff like that and uh, sawtooth and stuff like that and um the theme of the game is that you work for an intelligence agency and you're basically tapping uh telecommunications you're tapping sort of email communication and stuff and scanning them for potentially subversive um uh speech or you know conversations that suggest some kind of like um terrorist act- activity or something and so they uh and the way that the theming is done, I think, is pretty clever, and it's kind of got kind of a like a kind of a cute conceit to it that you that you pick up as you kind of have gone through a bunch of these decision points where you have to determine whether or not to report each of these um, email logs or text logs. I guess they are, um, and it's cool, and it's so it's sort of you're playing a bunch of these puzzles, and they're strung together with this sort of uh, security intelligence theme and uh i liked it that sounds cool yeah so that's how i find my ios games i wait for someone to send them into this podcast <laughs> if you have any suggestions send them to questions at idlethumbs.net maybe we'll play them i thought you were going to say and if you have trouble finding ios games start a podcast and ask people to suggest things to you <laughs> I mean, you'll find stuff you try that too it's another yeah, yeah another way of going I saw king, the- king writes in recommending uh, candy crush <laughs> 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 I saw something recently about I, – I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I didn't read very much up about it. Jake, maybe you have seen something about this. But I saw someone – something retweeted or something on Twitter about how Apple is um, investing in improving the iTunes discoverability. I don't know. Did you see Oh, the, the App Store search algorithm got totally overhauled in the last couple of weeks so that now like the example is if you search for Twitter – even though that's a registered app name, you will now also find a bunch of other like they've mm. they've. It seems like they're using some sort of cloud of related searches plus things other than just. I think it used to be literally the name and then keywords that the developers put in and anything that was in plain text, and there was no other sort of like right smart yeah sort of soft based searching. But it seems like that has like discoverability and search has gotten a lot better on the app store in the last couple of weeks. That's cool. Yeah. I guess that wouldn't really help in finding a new game. So if you type, like, best game into iTunes now, you're going to probably <laughs> yeah. find Candy Crush still. <laughs> you guys want to take a break? Yeah! All let's right. do it. Yeah. Video game. Mattresses. Named after ghosts. Shh. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Casper Mattress. Obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. They're shockingly comfortable. <laughs> I recently slept on your Casper mattress you for did. Like the third time, I think. How was it for you? It was really good. It's, it's really, nice, really good. It is a nice mattress. I enjoy yeah. it always. One day, Sean, will sleep on your Casper mattress. You're welcome to any time. Okay. If you don't have access to Sean Vanneman's Casper mattress, you can go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the code thumbs. They're already very fairly priced, but you get $50 towards any of them. Uh, they come in a box that hilariously like explodes the mattress out from it. It doesn't feel like there should be a mattress inside the box that you're given, but then uh, you zip it open like a 
like somebody squished into a pair of pants that's, that's far too tight, and uh, out they pop. That sounds great. less pleasant uh, than, maybe than the, than the Casper mattress unboxing. Person. They will give you a full 100 days to try it out and send it back. I think that is unlikely, but that is a guarantee that they offer. Um, Casper.com slash thumbs and the promo code thumbs for $50 towards a great mattress from Casper. Video and we're back. Are we? We are, we are back. We have oh. an email from uh, Loish de Taltos. My God, I'm so sorry for what I've just done to you. That's the full name, and actually. Your name. <laughs> uh, who writes, Hi, all. I thought you'd like to know that girl is now at Pluto. Uh, the subject of this email is girl update from Noby Noby Boy. Uh, 2,468 days since release, just in time for the latest data from New Horizons, and thus ends your Noby Noby Boy update. All the best. Loish. My God, again, I'm so sorry. Uh, this is crazy to me. Uh, Noby Noby Boy came out. Do you guys remember this game? This was the, mm-hmm. this was the game, um, I guess the last uh, Namco game made by Keita Takahashi, I think, right? I uh, believe that's correct, who, yeah. Yeah, who made the, Katam- the first two, I suppose, Katamari Damacy games. And this was this crazy... They don't remember this better than I, who can explain it concisely. Jake, you're a Noby 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 Boy is a strange physics toy, kind of. You yeah. play as this like worm... Like a weird sort of tube that, where with one analog stick on your DualShock controls the, the the front two legs that are attached to a little sort of sphere head, and the other uh, and the right analog stick controls the two legs attached to the butt of this basically just sort of physics rope worm thing with a cute like char- Japanese cartoon character face that looks like a Katamari character, and you kind of just eat things like yeah. you're on this like a just a a flat plane with some houses and some people and some animals and you sort of can wrap the weird physics worm around things and eat people and you get longer and it it doesn't seem to have much of a point in any given moment um you could just do all sorts of weird things like if you get twisted up too much the front and back halves of you separate and you can wander around and, and you, do can, all, eat your own and butt. you can eat your own butt you can do all sorts of weird shit um but as you eat more things and your nubby nubby boy gets longer the length that you like all the things that you add and as your as your like character gets bigger its size gets reported up to a server to extend nobi nobi girl yeah who is out in space traveling from i guess the sun to pluto I, I, or something well, like that it's just like she has a really long standing her a cosmic path from the mm-hmm. sun from from through the solar across system. the solar system and it was a, I think she started from Earth. Oh, okay. And it from was Earth a, to Pluto because – okay, go ahead. Because the sun no, is too hot. The sun is too hot. Yeah, I guess she started on Earth. But it, I remember in the in the first couple of months, it was such, such a big deal when people were getting close to any planet. But it was like I did not think the servers would be up long enough to hit Pluto. But I guess – Not a can, planet. Well, I think what they – so so what they started Does doing – Does Nobi Nobi Boy predate Pluto being not a planet? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. it was – this Nobi Nobi Boy came out in 2009. It came out like – three months after this podcast started so in the entire time that this podcast has existed including a what like a two-year break um that that game has been chugging along um apparently in 2013 they started adding a, a, a multiplier, a multiplier the player to the progress yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, i was reading about this I, I read the um the neogaf thread about this milestone 
And it sounds like there's about 30 people a day who still play this game and keep it going. And there was one guy who was describing his daily routine. He's like, yep, get home from work. And I set up some like stuff that I tie to my controller and make sure that nobody, nobody boy doesn't hit the house. Cause that does something I like, we'll get stuck in the house or something. I don't know. And I just let it go and I can get about a million points overnight. Um, and wait, so this is like people doing like SETI at home or like yeah. folding at home folding or something. At home. Yeah, it's exactly. like, like not, you know, like doing protein research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not search for aliens or, yeah, or do protein research. Let's just stretch this weird, like, heart textured worm across a virtual solar Whatever. system. I love it. I, lo- I think no, that's great. awesome. I love it. Yeah, no, no, no. It's good. It's good. There was a Nobby Nobby Boy iOS app for a while that did really weird shit that I thought was good. Um, it was not the main game at all, but I. And man, I don't actually know if it contributed length to girl, but I hope that it did because its most notable feature was you could leave it running in your pocket. And as you walked around, it had a map of where you were going and you were just stretching a Nobby Nobby boy out over your walking distance. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that did add, um, that did add progress to the game, the app, but it has apparently not been updated in forever. So it, it just is non-functional yeah. uh, on modern iOS devices at this point. Um, also, uh, so nope. So girl started on earth has made it all the way out to Pluto now, but now is going all the way back to the sun in order. In other words, it's going farther than the cumulative distance. She has so far traveled, I guess. Um, so it was an inefficient route. Yeah, it was a, quite an inefficient route. What happens when girl gets, hits the sun? I suspect Death. unless there's some multiplayer chicanery going to, I mean, multiplier, stuff happening that she's not going to get to the sun. Okay, here, I found this guy's post on NeoGuy. So someone someone posted, someone out there has an elastic banded controller and PS3 permanently set up stretching their boy. And then Tears of Ash replied, here's my trick. Go into house, hold down R1, pop out clone boy, hold down and select to bring up current distance menu, pilot original boy into house. Then I have a clone boy that won't accidentally go in the house and I have a keychain bottle opener around the analog stick holding it down. Boy at resting is usually 900 to 1,200 meters, and I can get over 1 million or so overnight. Um, so I just, I like that this game has this tiny community of like just long haul truckers, basically, who are, <laughs> who are just getting girl way out there across the galaxy. And then a really sweet thing is that Keita Takahashi himself posted a dev update about this on the blog of Uvula, which is his um, kind of studio, I guess, that he, um, I think is not is is more just sort of the name he uses for his projects at this mm-hmm. point. But he writes, I can't submit the length I've made in my Nobi app because it just doesn't work properly since no maintenance. Also, I don't have any consoles, so I can't help girl to take her to Pluto right now. But she is still heading to the Pluto little by little. To say honest, to say honestly, I have felt regret and sorry about Nobi because we had to release it in unfinished condition. But girl is still stretching by some amazing players. This is a great gift to me, and also the ex Nobi team. Thank you so much. That's so really that's, sweet. Yeah, it's it is. This is a sweet. great gift to me. It was a very nice sentence. Yeah, yeah. Did I ever say on this podcast that I met that guy at a party one time? Well, you have now. He's the nicest, nicest guy. I met I met Kita Takahashi and his wife, and I I can't remember her name, but she was one of the musicians who made the amazing fucking amazing katamari soundtrack mm-hmm. um and so and she was also great and they were there with his like tiny little son i think she was pregnant with their with their second kid at the time and they were there with his little son who was just like the cutest goddamn little kid and was running around being adorable 
um, and I just kind of talked to him for a while. And I was like, oh, we both know this guy Cable. And he was like, what? Cable? Who uh, <laughs> is this guy Cable Sasser who owns uh, – co-owns Panic Software, which is uh, funding the game that we're making right now. But also, more importantly, uh, to this story anyway, um, has a Mac software company called Panic that years ago was somehow the official manufacturer – of Katamari Damacy t-shirts. It's because they cold called Keita Takahashi and said, hey, it looks like no one's making t-shirts of this. And he said, oh, I used your FTP program. Yeah. And that's how that happened. Yeah. And so uh, I, I I was like, oh, we both know this guy Cable. And he just fucking ex- head exploded. He was like, Cable. Uh, <laughs> so that was a fun, that was a fun time. Uh, anyway. Good. Yeah, I, I had not thought about Nobi Nobi Boy in a long time I had until neither. that Pluto news hit. Yeah, I was really... Pleased to see I hope that, that I hope the girl one day does reach the sun and that just like a little like sprite of a heart comes out or something because I imagine if they planned it all for her to ever yeah. like for anything to happen it's just yeah. gonna be I mean the crazy hearts. thing is there's a little cutscene that happens every time she reaches a planet and yeah. I watched it on YouTube and it's I mean it's really rare for this kind of thing to exist in video games where the people who made this game probably a lot of them don't even work at that company at all anymore and right the thing that they made years and years and years ago, there's content that they created and like shipped in compressed files, you know, right, that, in 2009. And now yeah. that cutscene was like captured by someone off their PlayStation yeah. three and put on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. In 2015. Yeah. Good. Man, it is the year of the PS3. <gasps> <laughs> That's they meant the entire the time. Nobody, nobody girl reaches Pluto. Gosh. <laughs> In that press conference in 2015, Nobi Nobi Girl will reach Pluto. Curtain drawn. Nobody knows what the hell. Nobi Nobi Boy has not been announced. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Girl will reach Pluto. It, it took all of the power of the emotion engine or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the PlayStation 3 that has the emotions, right? Yeah, Motion Engine. Oh, no, that was PlayStation was 2. Oh, man. PlayStation 2 is the Motion yeah. Engine. PlayStation 3 has SPUs. Oh, I've, yeah. It's less good. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. There's a number of different Fallout emails. Um, one is uh, from Duke BG, who writes, Hello, in episode 237, after a reader mail from a No, Mo- no Mutants Allowed forum member discussing Chris Avalon and his Fallout Bible, Spaff asked if there's a vault like the one, if there's a vault like the one Chris had in Fallout Shelter. Um, the actual answer is yes. The Fallout Bible described Vault 69, which is populated by 999 women and one man. There was a counterpart Vault 68 with 999 men and one woman. So. Worse. <laughs> so we got um, we got a few a few emails about that. So that that was a thing. Two individual opposite hells. Yep. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh, this is really cool. John Remedios writes, Hey, Thumbs, I've never played a Fallout game before, as I'd always assumed they weren't for me, but after listening to Chris talk about his experience with the game after removing quest markers from Fallout 4 in episode 236, I decided I'd give it a shot. I went over to a friend's house to try his copy, insisting that I turn off the quest markers, and I fell in love with the game. Seriously, I don't remember the last time I lost eight hours straight to a video game without noticing. While I really liked playing the game without quest markers, the compass still bothered me. Having an outline of notable locations appear felt like it was spoiling my joy of discovery. I had the same feeling. 
I ended mm-hmm. up looking I for agree. some some UI mods, but the only compass mods I could find removed the compass entirely, but I just wanted to get rid of the markers. So I made it. It's called the Clean Compass. I've never made a mod before. Heck, I re- rarely even use them. But after a day of looking at other UI mods and performing a lot of trial and error, I got it to work. So thanks, Chris. I went from never having played a Fallout game to creating a mod for it in under a week because of the way you talked about the game. Anyway, here's the link if you're interested. And then he links to a URL, which I'll just read it. Why the hell not? Nexusmods.com slash Fallout 4 slash mods slash 1368. Take care, John Remedios, Dijon John on the forums. P.S. Can you explain to me why you can't wear armor over suits and dresses? I mean, you can wear your vault outfit under armor, and that's way less cool than the sequins dress I refuse to part with. If I can somehow figure it out, my next mod will correct this terrible mistake. What a good email. What a great last name. It reminded me of the game Meteos. <laughs> I love that game. Fair enough. Everyone loves Meteos. It's one of the, it's one of the great games. It is. That was a very good email. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see here. So uh, Dominic Anello writes, Hey Thumbs, since I had no idea who the Oblivion Clown Man was, while listening to episode 236, I did a Google image search for Oblivion Clown Man and was re- rewarded with three images of Tom Cruise and one of Donald Trump. I couldn't think of any way in which the actual image I was looking for could have been any more rewarding, so I stopped my search right then and there. Regards, Dominic Anello, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> he has a link to the – he has a, a screen capture of the uh, – this like the, the spread that he loaded up, which which Sean, I think you, you will appreciate. I'm a big cruise booster, so let's see here. It's like <laughs> Tom Cruise at like a movie premiere or something. It looks like with a few thought slash speech bubbles, you would have a comic of that's true. Of yeah, and then a, and then a sort of classic kind of who me Donald Trump pose. What a fucking prince that guy! Is I, uh, I yeah, no kidding. I I did a, a Google image search for oblivion clown man as well after getting this email and i got the exact two images which is actually kind of amazing these days because i feel like not just the world we live in now everyone's everything is different like everyone's google is different is optimized and targeted everyone's and search algorithmed. for everything is just totally different yeah. um i didn't get the same order of images but i got the exact same ones so huh yeah anyway i'm glad it makes sense why tom cruise would show up because he was in that movie oblivion and right. as a clown man yeah, well, he's a man. Yeah, I don't know if he's, but you know, they like. There's he definitely the opposite of a clown. That's true. There's definitely two of the three. But Donald Trump is perfect because other than man, it's like oblivion and clown, just <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. So true. Um, let's see what else do we have here. It's a bad Google image search. Are, are there other dis- distressing things? There's that a are- lot of like weird gnomes and uh, a All lot of insane clown posse. There are some hilarious <laughs> Oblivion characters. Anyway, um, <laughs> none, the, none of them are the none of them are the true yeah. Oblivion clown man though. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad to have introduced that to a larger audience. It's one of your great gifts. Yeah. Um, all right. So Sam Anderson writes, "Hey, thumbs." Hello, Thumbs, actually, he writes. I'm sorry for making your <laughs> inquiry more informal than you intended. Sam Anderson writes, Hello, Thumbs. Hello. In your latest episode, Mama's on Prime, you pondered the idea <laughs> of fallout time. in a Latin American banana dictatorship. Something a little like this already exists. 2008's Zenus 2, White Gold, 
also known as White Gold War in Paradise. It's a sequel to the infamous 2005 game Boiling Point and created by Ukrainian developer Deep Shadows, which now seems to be focused on developing hidden object games. I'll let the company website speak for itself. Quote, Deep Shadows has pioneered new approach to the genre-making mix of RPG with free-play shooter. The company owns the in-house developed engine that supports PC and Xbox 360 platforms. PS3 platform code is in the development. The key feature of the engine is support of dozens of type of the vehicles that the player is able to control and big seamless world where you can walk anywhere without any loading times during gameplay. The company does the different kind of out and code art sourcing. We are a reliable partner that delivers the high quality product. End quote. In play, Xenus 2 is an awkward but appealing combination of Bethesda-style RPG, Deus Ex, Stalker, and Far Cry 3. Set in a fictional chain of Caribbean islands, the tone is wildly broad in the Far Cry 3 vein, but in a way that feels much more charming. From the first beach the player watches up on, they can wander into the jungle to shoot and loot bandits with their terrible starting pistol, dive back into the water to dodge sharks and harvest pearls, or walk over to the road to commiserate with a local who has totaled his car by crashing into a human-sized tarantula. All right. My favorite memory of this game was jet skiing over to an island of pot-smoking hippies and, on a whim, stealing their seaplane, which I flew all the way across the map to a random island covered in ancient ruins and filled with bizarre enemies. I later found that this island was to be the setting for the last mission of the game. <laughs> that Xenus 2 offered that level of freedom was both so delightful and so overwhelming that I stepped away from it and haven't been back since. Maybe there's something to be said for the kind of obtrusive gating on travel that many AAA open-world games employ. That said, writing all this has me musing on reinstalling my copy and starting again. Best, Sam. Postscript. I had never seen the trailer for this game before looking it up to refresh myself for this email. I found something glorious at about 1 minute and 28 seconds that has me even more excited to reinstall. I went and watched this video and forwarded to that part, and it's just the player character riding a shark. <laughs> like, he's just in the ocean grabbing the fin, riding a shark for like 3 seconds, and then it cuts to a different scene. So, apparently this game is outrageous. The thing that it reminded me of watching the trailer was like just cause Mm -hmm. meets, you know, far cry meets a Bethesda game. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Just in the sense of such ridiculously open player verbs and environments that just invite you to do all kinds of ruinous things. That reminds me the, the, um, when we were talking about possible weird South American, uh, fallout, I was talking about that crazy computer system built oh, yeah. for oh, yeah. you the, got, the you Chilean government. On this. Yeah. So first, uh, it was it was uh, Chile, and I was called out correctly for just kind of being an ignorant shit about anything involving the the president and the the government regime at that time. I don't know enough to say anything about it, so I revoke any like editorializing that I made by just being a flippant, quick to speak person. But if you want to look this uh, project up yourself the the crazy uh government computer system and command center it's called project cybersign c y b e r s y n it has a wikipedia page which includes at the top of it an amazing picture of the control room which here like look at this oh my god it just looks like the Star Trek set. Yeah, it looks like a Star Trek set, but it was a weird like techno op center for the Chilean government for a minute. Um anyway, it looks like oh a thing, my God, it looks like a thing out of fiction. So if you if you want to look that up, just look at the Wikipedia page or Google that. There's a lot of writing about it. And it and that time in that country are really interesting if you go and start actually looking at it more. But also, 
that is the seat of the Fallout game that yeah. should be set in South <laughs> yeah. America for yeah, sure. Holy shit, for sure. Yeah, the, I obviously haven't gotten to the end of, far, of Fallout Four, but the way that Fallout Three ends, you could just you could just swap that out with this. Like you could just just make it set in this crazy place instead. Yeah, and it would be way cooler. Way cooler. I mean, you can't beat this. Like that does seem like the apex of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least anything cooler is beyond my paltry you imagination. Can. Yeah. Um, I wish see. I could talk to everybody in Fallout 4. Do you ever have that? That's like, I want to just be able to approach everyone and be sort of feel them out before we we start shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. But, you mean like the bandits and stuff? Yeah, but also, I you know, the people who weren't bandits, who were just living in a house, started shooting at me. Yeah. And the, I was old, sorta... the, the old Fallout games were, were more like that. Yeah. yeah. Was that just because you could use text and have it be kind yeah, of generic. I, I think that's the, I, that is a big reason I, that was, yeah, it's tough to keep. There was a whole strain of games on that era, especially on PC, I guess pretty much entirely on PC that had a degree of sort of openness and interchangeability of systems that has almost doesn't exist anymore yeah. because of just the demands of fidelity and just like asset creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. This is the tiniest Fallout detail, but I saw there's a mod. I saw that Fallout 4 deviated from, I guess, previous Fallout games by adopting a Bioware-style dialogue system. Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't where, like that. Where it now just says persuade, whatever, whatever, instead of just saying well, the lines like your character will say. And the, yeah. It's actually weird because sometimes... I, I don't really understand it because sometimes it feels like the word is a tonal thing and then sometimes it things like seem, it looks it's like, like a, it's, it's an actual verb. paraphrasing yeah. of what you're going to say yeah, it feels some, very someone has put out a mod for Fallout 4 that just pre-populates the subtitle dialogue into those choices instead yeah. so if that's your preference yeah yeah i'm that's never good, i'm never a mod. fan of those i it was actually one of the things that turned me off to mass effect yeah yeah it's it's frustrating to sort of because it's so subjective it's frustrating to have a sense of what you think your character is going to say because of the way you interpret yeah. the kind of prompt and then have your character say something that in some cases is like the opposite. And you're like, oh, shit. I always wonder, I mean, I I assume because I've been in conversations about this in design meetings that it comes from a concern. I thought you were going to say, I've been in conversations where I intended to say one thing. I've been in conversations where my, my brain has said lie, <laughs> but then I lied about something else. <laughs> Not even what I thought I was going to lie about. No, because I, I think that there are... <laughs> I think that the the argument, and I'm not saying this is the one that was made in the case of Fallout, but that is yeah. often made, is players don't want to read the text that their character is going to say, and then, then press a button, right. then hear an actor say it. Mm-hmm. But I think that actually models how your brain works. Like I think you think, even if it happens yeah. like in like a snap, you know, you're you're you know what you're going to say before you say it, unless it's a crazy revelatory moment for you. But you're not like I was in the <laughs> middle of persuading this person, but then suddenly, oh, obviously, this is what I should have said the whole time. Like that, yeah. you know. I yep. and I also personally find it very satisfying in games to see the dialogue and say, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Say it, and then hear my character hear say it, read. and like yeah. relish it. Like that's yeah. what I love. So I, I don't also like- you read so much faster than the actor is going to say it yeah. anyway. So you know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I. I this that style of dialogue selection is never yeah. never and quite. like I said I have no idea why that choice was made in particular in Fallout 4 but right, who it, knows? Yeah. it's just one of those things that's never my personal preference mm-hmm. so I was happy to see that a mod was there for a game that I haven't played <laughs> but you'll definitely play it on PC with all mods 
knowing the Jake Rod. All mods. Man, did you guys see that um, Bethesda is – this is amazing to me. Bethesda is planning on um, at a certain – like whenever they can – I assume this is a combination of sort of technical concerns, server concerns, and platform holder concerns. But they're planning on making the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game – run pc created mods i thought that was just xbox one i thought that was like a oh. exclusive to xbox one oh, maybe it is yeah mods on you get you get the mods i remember hearing that at e3 interesting in any yeah. case so, that's console pretty cool of some sort yeah. will be able to use pc created mods which is pretty amazing that's really cool yeah. man the era of third party console exclusive back with rise of the tomb raider only being on xbox one very strange to me I guess that's yeah. not. I guess it's always been around, but it was very weird today to not realize that that game had been out. When asking around the office if that game was out, I did not realize it was only on Xbox One for a time. Yeah, um, I realized. So here's an email that tacks onto this. Um, Rumpelstiltskin writes. <laughs> Fallout Four. Or, <laughs> just giving up his real name that fast, huh? Fallout Four. Please, uh, let's see. Fallout. Please do not read my name. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the voice protagonist? Do you like the new dialogue wheel? I hate them. Overall, I'm enjoying the game, but these two things are dragging it down a fair bit for me. I can think of a few reasons for the changes, but I would like your thoughts. Are dialogue trades a sacrifice made in order to have a voice protagonist? Can the genie be put back in the bottle? Or am I stuck with voice stuck with voice protagonists and dialogue wheels in the big budget Bethesda games? Cheers, Rumpelstiltskin. P.S. Please, please don't use my name on air. P.P.S. I made you say P.P. P.P.P.S. This was longer than I wanted. Not yet. Mm. <laughs> so what was the first sentence i was i was thinking do you like the voiced protagonist oh yeah i like it i think i do although um the the funny thing about you know jake you were saying that often or at least not often but sometimes the decision that we were talking about gets made because of the repetition of the voice protagonist saying mm-hmm. that the, i mean the irony in my case is that i actually don't I if I only had to have one of them, I would weirdly. This is this is a bullshit choice because no one's asking me to make this decision for them. But if I were only to have either, you know, full complete sentence or voiced protagonist, I would rather see my full dialogue choice. Click that, not hear anything, and then hear the other person respond, which is like yeah. totally. Yep. Well, that's how it wasn't. That's how it wasn't Skyrim. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, and I, that ended up wearing on me because I think the fidelity of. I think it is like a narrative fidelity thing, right? Not just the yeah. fact that people sound crisp and like look high poly or whatever, but in it's a sus- suspension of disbelief, like keeping up the the illusion that these people are interacting. Mm-hmm. A Skyrim would break the fourth wall with that shit. It started that way, or it's just like silent person, <laughs> like we got to get out of here or whatever, right? And then that stuff would come up later in dialogue, which is a creative choice. But part of me kind of wonders that if you decide systemically that your character is not going to be able to speak, that it's only a matter of time until the other characters in the world recognize it because they're all talking to each other. So having played Fallout 4 now with a voice protagonist and comparing the two, I think I definitely prefer Fallout 4. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, I think that there's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing with games like this because at least for me, so much of the so much of those conversations are like functional for me, yeah. you know? And like, I, that's not a slam on those games. It's just that 
Well, they are. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. The, the mode though, where the text, where you see the text in the UI, you press the button, and on the frame that the text has been submitted, the NPC has heard it and responds. That's just sort of saying to the player, to a certain degree, this is just an information gathering mechanic, right? right. Yeah. But like, but, drama can't emerge from that. Really. Yeah, right. Which, which I understand, but then, but. Sometimes the way that I'm engaging with those games, That's what you like, want, I don't right? care for the drama to emerge, you know, because right. like right. the drama right. is like my interaction with the whole ecosystem and the world and everything. It's not like this, you know, dynamic camera interaction with me. And like, that's not the thing that I'm deriving dramatic pleasure out of. I'm deriving dramatic pl- pleasure out of the like situations that emerge out of all these systems that are colliding and my like traversal mm-hmm. of this massive world and you know, where I was an hour ago versus where I am now and what I've done in that time. Like that, that's to me where the kind of the whole arc comes from. And, you know, none of this is this really, it's so hard to call into question the decisions that a developer makes with this stuff because these games are so huge and massive and someone else who isn't me probably has a totally different take on what value they get out of it. And the thing that is a challenge with games like these is when you're doing so many different things, how do you basically make it palatable to as many people Mm -hmm. as possible? Which is tough because, you know, like part of what makes these games amazing is that they do do so many different things. And like, I don't know, it's tough. In a, in a world where you where the the expectation is full voice acting, you know, it's I guess you just have to make make a decision. I suppose. I will say I think the female protagonist is stronger. The actress. Oh, she's really well voiced. Is much better yeah, than the actor. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I do think most of it is actually when I actually I was sitting here thinking about it while you were talking and I don't know if one choice is necessarily better than the other, but I think it's all sort of made right by the quality of the actual story and writing that happens because there, now that I was sitting here thinking like there's a chunk of the Assassin's Brotherhood quest in Skyrim, which a lot of people have done and know that was like really intriguing and i was really sucked in and i had thinking about that quest had forgotten that like i couldn't speak the entire time or my voice did not come out of my face i just mm-hmm. remembered it as a as a story yeah hey, your brain filled in all the gaps yeah yeah exactly like it was well executed enough that i yeah like a silent movie thought it the characters were speaking yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. or my i was speaking yeah yeah it's cool Uh, Let's see. Okay. So Daniel Alvarado writes the other day while listening to your, to answer a question about playing a game in a way that it wasn't meant to be played. I think it was about playing Downwell upside down. I remember that in high school, my best friend quote discovered in a PC demo disc, a crazy top down game where you could wreak havoc and be chased by the police. The game turned out to be the original GTA and it had a six or seven minute time limit. We lost dozens of hours to that demo taking turns, trying to get the maximum wanted stars the fastest way possible and seeing who could get to the end of the time limit without getting caught. But when we finally got the complete game, something weird happened. We missed the time limit and all that openness got us in a perpetual state of now what? Sure. We could do the exact same thing we did in the demo, but the lack of time limit didn't really seem to give us that race for your life feeling. And the missions didn't seem as fun as our own made up game. We felt like there was no point in playing it. Just wanted to share that story with you. Keep up the good work. And thanks for all the hours of valuable podcast listening. Dan, that's so good. That's the that's awesome. best. Yeah, that is both like an amazing thing about sort of the era of the really like 
the PC demo, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. also is probably part of why the PC demo is not a thing anymore. Exactly. What's funny, though, is there was Xbox 360 demos like that where I would go to a friend's house. I remember, like, it was crashing in somebody's oh, right, house. Oh, Microsoft brought the demo back yeah. hardcore with yeah. Xbox Live. <laughs> I remember yeah, crashing in somebody's house and wanting to play Geometry Wars. And I was like, can I just buy it? Like, all you have is the demo. And I was there for, like, a week. And he was, he's like, no, I don't want to spend any money. Don't buy that game. Don't want to spend like the four bucks for Geometry Wars or yeah. whatever? Yeah, so I was playing the $3 Geometry Wars demo like two hours a night while I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I Unreal Tournament 99, oh, the original the one. The Unreal Tournament demo only, is, the, is the textbook only case ever for... Only ever had that demo. Yeah, Unreal... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, those Unreal Tournament Doom demo... Doom Shareware only ever had the shareware. Man, that's... Uh, yeah. Un... Okay, you've you've now named two out of the three most in- extreme demos of anyone's yeah. life, and Quake Three is the other one. Quake Three, which shipped I had with Quake 3. it shipped with DM Seventeen, which is the just the floating sort of horseshoe shaped map. Yeah, which is the best Quake Three map, I think. I mean, people will probably disagree, but that's like the canonical Quake Three map. That was the free one. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Yep. Same with Unreal Tournament and Doom Episode One. Like, what? Well, yeah, I've told what a that, crazy set of I've, things to I, give away for free. I've I've met, I've told on this podcast before that. My story of going to Best Buy in 1999 or whatever with $60 and then having my own private internal Quake 3 versus Unreal Tournament battle in my head as I decided which one to buy. And I bought Quake 3. But my memory of that time is just that those two games had equal share in my life because the UT99 demo – Right. Was just. You just play that that as all. Yeah. Also. That one weird vertical stack level. Uh Yeah. Man. You could mod it and everything. Yeah, those companies must have just felt like idiots. For like, <laughs> I mean, they probably sold a lot of copies, but yeah, at the same I'm sure time, games man, sold, sold fine. If only they'd figured out an energy system for their demo. <laughs> it's not that if if Steam had existed when those games came out, yeah. they would have just sold a bazillion copies. Like yeah. that's, I guess, now yeah. the fact that you just go and basically just press your thumb to a plate. Or in the case of iOS, you literally do that, and then you've just paid for it and unlocked it without having to think. Yeah, means you don't man. need a demo. God, the uh, I mean, this is. Not even, I'm sure everyone's had this experience who has a sort of recent iPhone, but buying that, uh, buying that, um, Touchtone game today that was recommended by Jessica Pauli, or, uh, I, what I bought it, I just, I realized that I, before I even finished taking my thumb, like, off the phone, it had already sent my thumbprint in and paid the money for it. And I'm just, what a strange, yep. what a strange system this is. What what a weird, frictionless... It's really weird when that happens with the Amazon app. Because, like, all other apps can use that oh, same yeah. password authentication. So you're like, oh, yeah, I'll get a lawn chair. Well, it's going to ship to my house in a day. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be here by 2 p.m., in fact. Yep. <laughs> you thought it and burned .0001 yeah. calories. And, I mean, yeah. soon it'll just... It'll just read your pulses and somehow infer that you really need a lawn chair. I mean, you have to go, I, I don't want a lawn chair. <laughs> I don't, I don't do want, not chair. want a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, lawn chairs are the classic test you even, case. You don't even have a lawn. I don't have, I didn't buy a lawn chair. Wow. I, because you removed your thumb in time. Yeah, I did. I was, oh, oof, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to this particular email, I love that the original Grand Theft Auto was I, I love any stories about people playing the original Grand Theft Auto because there's kind of, of among people who are familiar with like the first hand experience of playing Grand Theft Auto, which obviously among gamers is a 90 plus percent thing, at least among the kind of people probably listen to this podcast, I would imagine. But um, I've I the, the sort of um, dividing 
line I've found is between people who, ref- who, when they're talking about GTA, when they're not thinking about it, when they just casually say the first one, whether they actually mean it's GTA one, three, or three or whether or they one, mean GTA yeah. one. And I always find that to be really fascinating. Um, I, the, the reason I love this story is because even though I actually had the full game GTA one, but, um, but my experience with it, even though I didn't have this like really awesome demo time limited sort of meta game that this, this guy and his friend created, it's that game still felt to me like discovering something weird and secret and like just different, even though obviously GTA three really is the actual game that is more significant and culturally important. GTA one for me, it was similar and that that was the game that I most like most concretely exists in my brain as the game equivalent of like my friend presented the game to me, like I went over to a friend's house and he, and he like revealed that he had this game as if it was contraband. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, I was like, same here. You yeah. check this thing out. Yeah. And I was like, what is it? I Cause like same experience. Not only did it look like at the time with the way that the 3d building projections worked, like it looked really that, nice. That, and a, a GTA one was still 2d. Yeah, it was de- G- no GTA one was top down, but the That's buildings, what I meant. Had, but, but the buildings had perspective. Like they were actually oh, 3d. I thought the- no, that was in one and two. I thought GTA, I thought only GTA two was. Nah, three. they both they both did that. Oh, okay, but it had that. Like I remember just looking and feeling nice. Yeah, but also just well, the box like, art was also really um, uh, austere. Like it was the mm. that GTA type fit like the classic. Um, actually, no, the GTA one logo was different. Yeah, um, but it it was the still a very like austere logo, even though it was different than the, the current one. And just had just like a city on the front. It didn't have characters and stuff. Yeah. The way that modern GTA games do. It just looked very stark. And then the game was just this weird, like incredibly transgressive thing, but in a really approachable way. It felt okay, Jake. You're right. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, it felt like playing a sort of infinite arcade game or mm-hmm. something. It was yeah. like a really just it did really feel weird, yes. interesting, unusual experience that didn't play like anything else. Even though it wasn't obviously as wide open as like crazy PC RPGs or like other things going on contemporarily, it was just a combination of weird things that felt very underground. It was a really I, it was a very striking experience to play that game at the time. At least it was for me, and it yeah. sounds like for you as well. Yeah. Yep. And for this guy who had a way cooler <laughs> version <laughs> of it than we did. Um, let's see. If we have anything else in here? Um, Joey Haskey writes: Do you think the frequent loading screens will ever go away, or are sequels too ambitious? Are sequels too ambitious and ship dates too pressured for developers to refine that particular thing? I can't help but think how awesomely next gen Fallout Four could feel if you could stumble onto any building or cave seamlessly. I also feel like the crafting system doesn't vary much. And I wonder if things that were cut, I wonder if maybe there were features cut from it or features that could have been added. PS, I recently played journey again and I can't believe their implementation of having a brief multiplayer encounter randomly hasn't been adopted by more AAA developers. I mean, that happens in the souls games. Um, not, it's not quite the same. Yeah. It's not, it's not a live encounter or it is, but it's like, it's brief. They sort of come through like a ghost Yeah, and you're made to remember that other people are playing this game, but the representation, but you can also get fucking pwned by them. Um, yeah, you have to open the game up to that. You have to sort of play that mode. Yeah. The way the journey just sort of says, 
twist you were online the whole time or were you or are you just for these 10 minutes I mean, or I whatever? Think, I think the reason is because AAA games are generally speaking about combat. Yeah, the verb yeah. is, yeah. you know, yeah. And in Journey, you can do that and it's like this purely kind of uh, serendipitous person, yeah. experience. Yeah, it's so good. The loading time thing, I mean, there used to actually be more, it used to be more common for am- big, open, ambitious games to have no loading times than it is now. And I guess that's just because the sort of Still no, amount the, of memory required for assets that exist yeah, the now art just and sound has to come the, in. Yeah. I mean, there's not loads in the GTA games, though, are there? I don't think so. No, I guess there aren't. No. But also, they yeah, there are. Inter- GTA loads when you go into interiors. No, it doesn't. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it does. It does. does yeah, it really? Yeah, when you go into up, interiors. It spins yeah. up for a second. It's quick, yeah, but it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe maybe not the absolutely most recent I ones. I don't know. I don't know. GTA 4. On GTA maybe, 4, I don't think there's maybe, interior Maybe loads. 4 and 5 don't, but the old ones did. Huh. But the interiors aren't really robust the way, you know, a Bethesda game yeah. has like, robust I mean, Bethesda dungeons, games, those, The interior and exterior are like equally kind of, they're on the sort of same scale, whereas in a GTA game, you're going into a different, like... The thing I don't mind about it in in Fallout, uh, and I was th- I was actually thinking about this a lot yesterday, is that when those loads happen, I kind of prepare myself for something that's conceptually authored, and oftentimes that's the case where it's like, okay, this scenario yeah. is almost like an episode of my of my longer adventure mm-hmm. and uh, I like that I think I like it in context of Fallout a lot just because it feels um, like post classical media or whatever to be like this is where you go into like this is the yeah, supermarket chapter you know yeah I kind of know what you mean it's um, there's kind of a um, a willingness to live with the artifice that I kind of like yeah um, like, I'm okay with it yeah. I guess no me, me too I mean, there are developers that are trying to push this, though. I mean, uh, uh, No Man's Sky, right? The, right. Like, that is intended to be a totally seamless experience. You have but it's all online, all multiplayer. It's not... Yeah, the, the thing that I was going to say about that, about it, like a Bethesda scope game, the, the sort of... It seems like, as this reader pointed out, as, as tech gets better, art, like, art assets are going to progress up to match it but the the avenue by which developers might be able to catch up with that is when people start or if people start increasingly storing their games on Solid remote state. servers and stream them. Oh, oh i see what you're saying okay. um like the way on live or playstation now works like if if basically you were playing a special streaming version of fallout 4 that had overworld and underworld or all exteriors and all interiors loaded basically on two pcs one just had mm-hmm. one out and running and one had the other one uh, and they were both being streamed into you. So basically when you went into a place yeah. that a load screen would happen, it would just transfer your save over to the other computer and stream that to you. That's not literally how it would work. But, you know, once your game is streaming in over the internet, the amount of computational power required can just, you know. Could, yeah, it can be distributed. It can be distributed. Yeah. So maybe as i mean do you think that's a thing that is going to happen anytime soon? i don't think literally i don't think literally that would happen but i mean you you know i i don't know in terms of the economics of like pc power though it feels like that's the way it will be right like you would just buy a box that's like an apple tv and it's just i mean it feels like eventually right because i mean games are this weird holdout where it's like anyway download 40 gigabytes of stuff now i mean just nothing else works like that at all no, in a, in our in our sort of modern media. Yeah, also, just having to buy, you know, 
$400 worth of computational hardware that is yeah like that cost is much easier to distribute over a server farm than mm-hmm. yeah and, and i mean to the point that game chris that games are outliers even like now as companies who are not traditional game companies are getting into games like apple with the apple tv and a lot of android devices are also not allowing developers to use their traditional behaviors and are instead saying you have to only yeah. give people 200 megs first and they have to be able to play the game starting then and then you can stream yeah. in and, the remaining two yeah, gigs but like, have, you can't make and, people wait right and blizzard has been doing that for years and yeah is it's amazing it's amazing it's, it's so crazy. slick I mean, oh my gosh well the warcraft works that way starcraft 2 works that way I, yeah like I want to try this game, and then it just when it hits the fifteen percent mark, it's like you're ready to go. It's got all this other stuff to do, but you're yeah. good to go. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a crazy thing to experience that. Yeah. That stuff is that. Yeah, it just it it seems like as people as game development infrastructure adapts more to supporting that, whether it's downloading in real time or probably more realistically streaming in off of a remote system entirely. I yeah. I it seems like. If you're a developer and you're like, well, our customers expect the game to just go the moment they press the button because the standard in 2020 is that you were running all the stuff off a server, you should probably just take advantage of that and also figure out how to get all of your shit to stream because it would just seem it would seem insane if you press a button and your game starts immediately with no load screen, but then when you walk into a cave, you have to wait 25 seconds. Like that yeah. seems like that at a certain point is just going to be unrealistic from a consumer expectation. Right. Man, I feel like such an old man when I bought fallout 4 on the on psn and it was 40 gigs took like 30 minutes 25 minutes to download and then took that's pretty fast i have good internet yeah like i have fast internet luckily. but then um you wait you I wait don't like even a, pay for the good internet i just get really good internet i'm like really blessed um but then i waited for the install really time blessed hashtag blessed please yeah thank you Com- hashtag comcast cares <laughs> <laughs> hashtag blessed hashtag comcast cares hashtag kill me but yeah i'm sure i downloaded um, a half hour then took like a day to install Two hours, yeah. Like, yeah. and I felt like such an old man. And I remember seeing yeah, you're installing Windows ninety five. Is it or done yet? Like, <laughs> is it done yet? And I remember they. So in the beginning, I don't know if it's like this on PC, but they do the like the seven little short films of all the abilities in special like strength perception, whatever. I don't think I remember that happening. So you it don't runs have to install games on on Steam because it just you download it and it's, and done. it's there. It's already yeah, done. It unpacks. Yeah. Of course, but uh, they're really nicely done. They're, you know, post-war, like, you're a special person. You're going to learn all about strength right. today. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, whatever. And uh, they're nicely done. They're probably, like, three minutes, four minutes each. There's seven of them. So, it's, what, 21, 25 minutes? And I watched them all. And at the end of it, I was 13% installed. <laughs> and I went... Well, is there more to watch? Right. Like, to, so I'm I'm buckled <laughs> in for a feature film. <laughs> I, know, I, was, I, thought, I thought I was like, am I really buckled in for a two hour movie right now? Surely they timed this to the appropriate. <laughs> right, that's what I thought. <laughs> I couldn't, and then it just did yeah. them all again, and I went to the other room and played Dota. But uh, I kept picking back in, like, how much longer? Two hours. Yeah, it's a long time. After spending sixty bucks, we're like, gonna go home and play Fallout. I am not. Absolutely not. Yeah, weird. Yep, felt very old, or just like not. Why did you feel so old? I shouldn't say old. I felt um, I felt uh, unknowledgeable. I felt like the pe- is this what the expected? Is this expected? This is. Have I not been playing games on this? Is this what it was like? That sort of feeling. That's not necessarily age. It's more just um, being in the know. Out of step. Yeah. Yeah, out of step. Out of touch. Out of time. Stop. 
out of time for this podcast. Yes. Well, thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. This was a very reader mail heavy episode. You could make a future episode reader mail heavier by sending your questions or comments to questions at idlethumbs.net. The shorter and more concise and interesting they are, the more opportunity we have to read them That's on the true. podcast. Yeah. So you can make the podcast reader mail heavy with a feather of a, of a reader mail. With a light touch. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, please, please, please consider telling a friend. Or a stranger. You don't have to just tell a friend. Anyway, we do appreciate word of mouth. It's really the pretty much the only way that this podcast audience grows. Um, so if you do have people in your life who you think might enjoy this podcast, tell them about it. We would appreciate it. Over um, Thanksgiving dinner, perhaps. There you go. Um, we have other podcasts on our network at idlethumbs.net, including uh, eSports Today, hosted by... Uh, Rob Zachney, which is all about everything that's going on in the world of professional and competitive gaming. It's really good. Rob knows his stuff. It's very slick and professional and entertaining. And uh, all kinds of other shows about video games at idlethumbs.net. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Chris. Thanks also, Sean. How many times do you think you've said thank you, Chris, at the end of an episode? All times. Do you mean to do it or are you compelled to do it? Uh. You know what other times it is? When we're closer to the holidays? Die Hard times. I gotta start watching. I gotta watch my, my yearly viewing of Die Hard. You're gonna watch, are you gonna watch all of them? No. Die I'll Hard watch Marathon, one in, Sean. All of them. Start, no, because the third the, one. Start with the newest one. The third one's not a Christmas movie. The first two are holiday movies. The first one is definitely a Christmas movie. The second one is coincidentally a holiday movie the second one is snowy on the internet right now what